Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Rebellion against authority, rebellion to the instruction of those over us, is born into our sin-filled DNA. You don't have to teach a kid to be rebellious. They just do. You don't know what you're talking about. I do. No, you don't. You don't have a clue. It is obvious in children and adults alike. That rebellion, that attitude that I know better than the authority that God has put over me, crouches at each of our hearts. Cain knew better than God, and he knew better than Abel. So Cain killed innocent Abel. Cain killed Abel not because Abel had sinned. That's very important in this story. Cain killed Abel not because Abel had sinned, not even because Abel had said, as brothers might, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, to Cain. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks like that. God likes my offering, not yours. (laughs) Cain killed Abel because Cain's actions and Cain's attitude were not acceptable to God. Just, Just marinate there for a second. Cain killed Abel, who was innocent, because Cain had some actions and some attitudes that were not acceptable to God. And in that mind frame and that wickedness, it was reasonable in Cain's mind, I can't lash out at God, I'll lash out at Cain. And that is reasonable. You follow the craziness. Do you see the application? Cain's rebellion was corrected by God, so Cain lashed out at innocent Abel. Makes no sense. Hands that kill the innocent are an abomination to God. Can you imagine what God thinks whenever he sees Cain killing Abel? Abel's blood being spilled on the ground and the ground absorbing Abel's blood, and then Abel's blood crying out to God, and God says, here's the, here's the one who lived in obedience and had a right heart and a right sacrifice, and then this one goes and kills that one. As a parent, how would you feel? You thump Cain in the eye, right? Hands that kill the innocent are an abomination to God. God will not be mocked. God will judge the sinful today, just as he did in the time of Cain. Brent, where are you going with this? We'll get there in a minute. Hold on to your britches. We cannot live in contempt. We cannot live in contempt of God and expect God to just give us a pass. I believe that we have, as a nation, we have grown, even as a church, actually, as the church globally, we have grown nose blind, to borrow Febreze's commercial. We have grown nose blind to the stench of sin. 
God gags at sin and we shrug our soldiers shoulders and as though we know nothing about what's going on are like what what people are killing innocent people what I didn't know there will be punishment there will be we're not going to avoid it I'm pausing not for effect, but for absorption. I want you to get all that because I'm shifting gears. God abhors hands that kill the innocent. I do not take political stances, but sometimes whenever scripture shoots it right up the middle, we cannot avoid it. We should not avoid it. Um, So here we go. Approximately 2,500 people. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. I have 2,500 in my notes twice, and so now I'm, I'm mixed up where I'm at. Approximately 2,500 years after Cain and Abel, God gives Moses the, the Old Testament law. You remember this? 2,500 years after Cain and Abel had messed up, uh, they have, Cain has his problems, God gives Moses the Old Testament law. 2,500 years. You ever make that connection? I think that that's crazy because we often think that Genesis 1, they have the law. They know what they ought to be doing, but they don't. In the Old Testament law that God gave to Moses, they would, God would articulate that death is to be the sentence. Death is to be the sentence for certain crimes. For instance, murder, adultery, Rebellion against parents, I'm just kidding, (laughs) violating the Sabbath for all of those who are camping this weekend, I'm kidding, totally kidding, kidnapping, so on, so so forth. The law said that there is a death is appropriate for those who commit these sins. I say that to say it is not the death that this proverb prohibits, all right? The alliteration got to my lip. It is not the death that this proverb prohibits. It is the murder of an innocent, everyone say innocent, person. That, that is an abomination to God like Abel, an innocent person. The modern problem with this proverb is as a society, we do not defer to the moral absolute of God's law. Talked about it briefly last week. As a society, we do not defer to the moral absolute of God's law to clearly define who is innocent and who is guilty. Do you see why that makes a difference? God abhors those who kill the innocent. So then we come along and we have a way of messing it all up. As a society, we no longer look to the Bible as the moral authority we no longer look to the Bible as the moral authority to define what is right and what is wrong. Instead of looking to God, the designer and the creator of humanity that should know what's going on with us for moral guidance, morality has succumbed to the democratic process. Ooh, now I'm, ooh, what? Wait, whoop, yeah, can you say that? <laughs> what? Morality has succumbed 
to the democratic process. Brent, we champion the democratic process. And that has gotten to where we are today. Let's vote on what is right. Let's vote on what is wrong. Let me tell you what my opinion is. This is right. This is wrong. We don't need the Bible. We have opinion book. I mean, Facebook. I say that as we are live on Facebook. (laughs) National morality is defined by popular demand. I am not exaggerating this. Sometimes I exaggerate things to tell a good story, and that's fun. This is not fun. This is not fun at all. National morality is defined by popular demand. Then it is legislated by the government. And then it is elevated above the clear instruction of God. This has happened in America. And sweetheart, it has happened in the church. It makes me crazy. From that pivotal moment of defiance in the Garden of Eden... We, humanity, decided that we no longer need, or we no longer want, actually. We no longer want God to tell us what is right and wrong. We have the capacity to determine what is good and what is bad in and of ourselves, just like Cain did. Are you all right? Nobody's walked out. Thank you. We have, we, we are Christian Americans. Hopefully all of us are. We have the right to redefine morality in a way that better fits our current situation our current circumstances, because circumstances change from time to time. So we have to renegotiate what is right and wrong. We have to redefine what is good and what is bad. And sometimes we want to redefine it just because of our present desires, right? Yeah, we do. We do. Whenever I say we, I mean all of us and all those really bad people that didn't come to church today. We. It's all-inclusive we. The reason I know this is because you were born with a sinful DNA just like I was, like I am. Oops, that slipped, right? We're all in this this whole sinful thing together. It is this self-reliant logic that leads us, us, the all-inclusive us, to justify the killing of people who are guilty in... Are you following me? It is this self-reliant logic that leads us to justify the killing of people who are guilty in the eyes of society's popular preference, but are innocent in the eyes of God's law. You with me? Our self-reliant logic, we decide this person, they're acting like Abel. Let's kill them 
And that makes sense. They're guilty of offending me, so they should die. It makes perfect sense. But they're not innocent in God's eyes, in God's law. Now we're shifting gears. In America alone, I said all of that because I want you to know, uh, we're going to end with back at the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge and understanding. We need to read the story of Cain and Abel and say, Lord God Almighty, don't let that be me. I do not want to be the one on the cursing side of God. I don't think God curses people. Dude, read your Bible. I said all that because we should be terrified of where America is as a Christian people. As a nation, I love America. I'm a patriot. But, buddy, we have bigger issues than losing our patriotism. America, here we go. Okay, all right. I'm going to, this is why I write my notes. I need to stick to my notes. I told Diane, I'm not sure if this is a sermon or a rant. Um... Somewhere in the middle, but it applies. In America alone, over 600,000 innocent people, 600,000 innocent people are murdered each year. You didn't know that, did you? That's a lot. They're not criminals. They're not people who are threats to society. They are people who are simply inconveniently conceived. Their conception was going to create a hardship for someone. So society deems it necessary to get rid of them. Because we don't want you causing an offense or a hardship for someone else. We can eliminate people like that. In our Cain-ish, self-exalting society, modern morality trumps the eternal wisdom of God. We don't need people who would inconvenience us, so let's eliminate them. You understand what I'm talking about? It is astonishing to me I said this a long time ago in a sermon uh, just because I think that morally where we're at in our country and the morals that are intertwined with our laws, and by the way, I don't think you you can't separate them, but I said a long time ago, why are we still debating the abortion issue? This just seems incredible to me that we would still be arguing this. It is astonishing to me that we continue to debate the legitimacy of abortion. It is astonishing to me that late-term abortions are even a conversation among normal people at all. How corrupt, how debased, How confused and reprobate can we be that we can justify not just the taking of a baby's innocent life, but dismembering that baby right before they come out of the womb? We have lost our moral compass absolutely as a nation. 
But hey, who cares what I think? The Bible tells us that the hands that kill the innocent are an abomination to God. No one is arguing that these babies are guilty of violating God's law. Just absorb that for a second. No one is arguing that these babies are guilty of violating God's law and therefore should be punished by death. We are arguing, we, all of us, we are arguing that God is wrong and I am wrong right. We argue that God's law, God's rules are not fair to us. We arrogantly demand our rights just like Cain did. And then when God calls us on us, on our sin, on our abomination, on our stink, we say, oh, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have anything to do with it. I was at church where they were killing babies. I didn't know anything about it. Not me, not me, God. Another proverb that speaks, because we should shift gears again. We need to shift gears again, because I'm wound up. Proverbs that speaks to the issue of hands that kill the innocent. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, it says, my child, if sinners entice you, listen carefully. It's the father talking to his child. I'm going to give you some instructions that are important to your life. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let us hide and we'll kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. I hope that you remember last week, we looked at the verses previous in this text, verses 12, 13, 14, and 15 in Proverbs chapter 6, where God is describing the wicked when we come to verse 16 and 17, 16 through 19, he adds seven things that God hates. It is all one lump thing. He abbreviates it at the end of this, this passage. Sinners entice you to kill the innocent. Sinners are who entice us to kill the innocent. Not, not those who are following the Lord. <clears throat> it's the wicked who entices to kill the innocent. The hands of the wicked are the ones who kill the innocent. God says to turn your back on them. Get away from those who plot to kill innocent people kind of made a joke out of it about don't think about thinking about whatever. Throughout Proverbs, God is very clear. Don't play footsies with sin. It'll bite you really bad. And we go, eh, we'll be okay. It's no big deal. Listen to me carefully. I prefer to not argue politics, but our text today has application that is right on the nose, so to speak. So, I'm going to address a couple of things, and then we're going to pray really hard and call it a day. <laughs> By the way, if you get frustrated with anything that I say, you're always welcome. Email me, brent at desertheightschurch.com. Send me an email. If you call me and yell at me, I'll hang up on you. If you want to have a conversation, write it out. Make it logical. We'll talk. 
That's my rule, okay? Always happy to have a discussion. Right on the nose. I do not believe police have the moral right or the legal right to kill anyone who is innocent. I think that we're all on the same page there. I think that most of America is on that page. However, the perception of social injustice is not a moral or legal reason for murdering innocent people. Are you with me? This world's not fair to me, so I'll go kill someone. The hands that kill the innocent God abhors. So, uh, stick to your notes, Brent. Moral, here, here we go, all right. Moral responsibility is first defined by God alone. Moral responsibility is defined by God alone. So we have to be looking back at scriptures for what is right and wrong, okay? America, we have to put God, we have to put scriptures back into our society as the authority for living a wise and abundant life. Well, I'd like to use the Bible really as, a, as an um, amendment to how I want to live my life. And we've screwed ourselves up really bad. <laughs> I think I've told you before, in a, in a scripture and ethics class, we got in a discussion about, it was back when prayer was being taken out of schools. And um, we, the Christians, we were all wound up, right? The church, you don't have a right to take prayer out of schools. And somebody said, what about prayer at home? Are we covering that base before we argue prayer out of schools? Because we're good as church people with rights. We're good about saying, you can't take my right out there away, but I'm actually not using my right in my private life. America, we have to put church. How about this? Church. Because it's our responsibility more than it is anybody else's. We have to put God and scripture back into Christian living as the authority for living a wise and abundant life. Church-free Christianity got us to where we are today. The second thing, first God alone defines morality. Second, moral responsibility is for each of us to live, not to impose. Wait, what? Really? Moral responsibility is for each of us to live, not for us to impose. We talked about this a little bit in our Colossians classes last week in a way. Here's the deal. Moral responsibility only works as individuals. I read that too fast. Moral responsibility only works in a society as individuals submit themselves to the authority of God instead of trying to fix everyone else's morality. Are you with me? If all those who call... I use that word very loosely. If all those who call themselves Christians would vote against abortion, this would have stopped years and years and years and years ago. But we did not. 
Now we're upset about it. Stop it. If all those who call themselves Christians would stop acting violently or disrespectfully toward their neighbors, this would all stop immediately. A good Christian riot? Right here this morning. (laughs) We submit ourselves to the Lord and say, God, sin is at the door and I can't take it on. I need Jesus. Bring in the National Guard, so to speak. I need Jesus to come in and slam the door. Well, we got to go out there and fight sin. No, you need to run into the throne room of your heavenly father and cry mercy. But if you refuse, well, Brent, this whole moral responsibility thing, it's not for me, it's for other people. But if you refuse, I'm quoting from Genesis 4, you figure out which part it is. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Sin wants to control you. Our only option out is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we started Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of of true knowledge. Without a fear of the Lord, we will run around killing innocent people and live a very unwise life. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. The only hope that you have for not, that you have for not being controlled by sin and for living with any wisdom is to submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, to live to honor him as he transforms your life. America needs the fear of the Lord. At this point, I'm convinced we fear everything except the Lord. However, the church will lead the march. Church, we need the fear of the Lord to guide our actions and attitudes. Where's that cricket sound now? (laughs) If we're going to avoid being overcome by sin and God's judgment, we must recognize that God makes the rules and that we abide by them. We have to turn back to biblical values and God's authority. We have to recognize that we are not our own gods, but that we are God's own people. We are bought with the blood of Jesus and we are set free from the power of sin. We are set free from sin. We are not set free to sin. We are set free from sin so that we can live in the fullness and the joy of the Lord God Almighty. We have to open up our Bibles and see what God requires of us. We have to avoid those things that are an abomination to God the Father. The church needs to repent, turn back to the Lord in obedience to his morality and live in a way that honors him, not the way we think we should. Does that make sense? 
Next week, we'll take on the next one. Uh, the next topic is a heart that plots evil. Oh, that ought to be really exciting. Everybody stand together. I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to let you be dismissed. Father, just thank you, Father, for... I thank you for America. I thank you for our country. I thank you for the incredible freedom that Christians have enjoyed for years. Father, I pray that you would forgive the church, those who call themselves Christians, those who attend church every week. I pray that you would forgive us for not living your morality ourselves, for not championing you as the authority of morality. Father, I pray that for every one of us here today and everyone listening, that you would help us, that your Holy Spirit would check our hearts when we want to create our own morality, our own sense of right and wrong, that you would just speak into our hearts and turn our hearts back to your word and to your scriptures to give us guidance of what is right and wrong. Father, more than anything, we do not want to be an abomination to you. We do not want to live on the cursed side of you. We want to live on the blessing side. So Father, when we start to mess up, let your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and, and throw a caution flag that we would stop and that we would turn and that we would live in a way that honors you. Father, I pray that all of us would live a life that glorifies you, that points to the Lord Jesus Christ as our all-sufficient guide for faith and for living. Lord, we need you more now than ever before. We surrender ourselves to you to be our protector, to be our provider, to be our Savior. Help us to grow into the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be exalted in this church. Be exalted in all the churches of Farmington. Father, help us to look more like Christ Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. <clears throat> Have a great week. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.